0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Friend of a Friend. It's your host, Olivia Perez. It's week three of our mini-series, Call Your Friends, where I call some of my closest friends around the globe and talk about life amid the coronavirus pandemic. I'm currently in L.A. I'm in my little makeshift studio, aka my Zoom room, whatever we're calling it these days, as most of you know. And our stay-at-home order has just been moved to May 15th, which means we've got another 30-plus days of quarantine life. And we are also no longer allowed to leave our houses without masks on. If you are a resident in L.A. County listening to this right now, please be prepared. Please do your part. Hopefully, if you are in other cities and states, In the U.S. and around the globe, you are also doing your part in this to help us all flatten the curve and help cure this as soon as we possibly can. It has been really interesting to see how these conversations have progressed since the beginning of Call Your Friends. We started out talking about what felt really serious in that time about three weeks ago. We were talking about working from home, what that meant, what it means to have a totally new routine what it means to work from home with your significant other or a roommate or going back into your family's home. And that felt really life altering in and of itself. But as the pandemic has evolved, so have people's priorities and mentalities and This show has brought out some really vulnerable moments personally and professionally, and I am really grateful to my friends who have agreed to come on the show and felt safe enough to share those stories with me and this community. And for that, I am grateful to all of you as well for creating that environment here. I hope that if this show gives you anything, it's consolation in knowing that everybody is going through something big or small in this moment, and you are not alone in what it is that you're going through. I hope that it also is a gentle reminder to call your friends and check in on your people in any and every way during this time. Some housekeeping notes, just so everybody knows, we are still running our usual Monday interview shows. This past week, we had Revolve's chief brand officer, Rice Gerona at home with a surprise appearance by her adorable daughter, Dylan. So if you're in need of some inspiration, we talk about everything from her beginnings. Dylan tries on some shoes for us. We talk about Revolve's influencer model and to where they are now as they're shifting amid the coronavirus pandemic. Thank you all for tuning in weekly. I love this show and I'm so grateful to all of you. Let's start the show. The more I zoom with people and they look good every time and I'm like, like what's going on? I like have to do this to feel human. You know what I mean?
0: Okay. I get I'm that. Like, wait, yeah. can you see the difference now? I, I turned on the touch of my appearance
1: option. Do you see that? Oh, I'm going to turn it off. Yeah. Wait, I've. wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Everybody listening right now. There is a touch up your appearance feature on Zoom. Yeah. Where like, is it? You can t- it looks like,
0: you know, like when you can tell people have like egregiously facetuned their face. That's like kind yep. of what this feels
1: like. I still look crazy.
0: Oh, okay. I turned it off just for posterity. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm in Maine, which is extremely peaceful. I came here a few weeks ago because I was feeling crazy in New York and I needed to get out and I am here and it's lovely and I get to be outside and I get to like take walks and I am on this like really beautiful inlet that like I'm looking at the water right now. It's like lovely and I feel really blessed to be in this.
1: Amazing. Yeah. I just
0: knew that if I stayed in my apartment any longer, I was probably going to go nuts. Obviously like this whole situation, I think it's like a really good time to remember how lucky we are. And so I try not to feel too ungrateful for like, you know, everything that I have, I have access to clean water and food and healthcare if I need it, but I have my health. And so I'm trying to make sure I stay positive. So it's good. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like an interesting daily brain exercise where it's like I wake up in the morning and I'm like another day of this and then I remember all the things that I'm so grateful and lucky to have in this moment and it's like a it's like I'm playing tug of war with myself. It's very fun. I know. I know. How are you? You're in LA? I'm in LA. That was just kind of the, you know, I came back here after fashion week and was just here working. And then all of a sudden this happened and I'm super grateful to have been here and not have had to get on a flight or come home or have even traveled in the past month or so. But it's really interesting to just kind of, I'm really grateful that I still have my apartment in New York. But again, it's so interesting to just have those things there and not have access to them. And also like, I think my biggest anxiety right now, and as I'm sure with so many people is like not knowing what the future looks like. It's like my lease is up. I don't know when I, if I'll ever even see that apartment again, I might have to have myself moved out of there. And I think as like logistical, like as all those things are like, there's also like a, a little emotional side to it where it's like, I don't know when I'm going to see my New York friends and family again. I might have to like give up my apartment entirely just because this (laughs) is so crazy. And yeah, I think all of that is like probably swimming in everyone's heads. Yeah. I mean,
0: And again, I think like, it's crazy in New York right now. I think so many people are thinking about, I mean, not even just New York, but all over the country are thinking about their leases, their rents, their mortgages. And I think you saw, I posted this, like my landlord texted me for kind of background. I got a text out of nowhere from my landlord, George, and this was like on the 31st. And, you know, I was already having anxiety about, you know, like, rent. And like, you know, I've, I've been saving as you know, much money as I can and like trying to be pretty conscious about, you know, where my money's going just in case, because again, like we don't know when this is going to end. Like there's just so many things that I need to plan for. God forbid something happens and I have to take care of medical expenses for myself or someone in my family. Like I just wanted to make sure I had every available option, but he texted me and he said, you know, Hey Zara, just like everything going on in New York, I'm going to cut your rent by a thousand dollars. And I just was like, what? Like, this is so kind and so crazy. I didn't even have to, I'm obviously like, this is like a out of the norm situation, but I think, you know, when I posted it, I wanted to like, A, like remind people that there's like still humanity in this world. And two, that like, you know, These are important conversations to have, you know, with not only, like, your landlord, like, one-to-one, but, like, also, like, what are we asking for from, you know, our elected officials and our government in terms of stepping up in this extremely unprecedented economic situation in which, like, you know, I we have no clue what's going to happen. I mean, at least in my lifetime, and, of course, this has happened historically before, but I've never been this worried about my personal finances before ever, you know, and again, yeah, I'm lucky to say that. I know my parents have felt it before. I know, you know, many other people, Americans feel it, but this was the first time I paused to be like, oh wow, like, am I going to be able to pay my rent in two or three months? And a lot of people were, you know, commenting on, you know, what their situations were, what their landlords or, or businesses were, or, you know, real estate um, businesses were doing in this situation and obviously there's a lot of amazing politicians out there who are like advocating to make sure that like these things are taken care of like AOC and, and, you know, Ianna Pressley and Elizabeth Warren are obviously (laughs) doing everything that they can, but like, hopefully like we get a rent freeze. And I think California is probably going to enact one soon, which will be great. And another thing is, is like pay it forward too. like, again, like I, I've been thinking a lot about the fact that like, yes, like I'm trying to make sure I'm taking care of myself, but like, you know, with this extra thousand dollars that I had, like I was able to like, you know, make sure that my parents were okay. They didn't need the money, but I you know, wanted to make sure that I was able to give them something just in case, but also like take care of the people that are taking care of you usually that like don't have job opportunities. Like your housekeepers, the people who are doing your lawn. Definitely. If you see somebody who does your hair regularly, you don't know how big of a difference it makes to them to just shoot them that like, Hey, like, here's this like $50 or whatever, you know, hopefully this will help. um, And, or just say nothing at all. Um, But, you know, I think like if you are in a situation in which you can, which I think many of us are um, to be able to make sure that we're taking care of each other, (laughs) unfortunately, until our steps into like, take care of us, like we have to take care of each other. And I think that like, I've just been watching that and, and it's making me feel a lot more hopeful.
1: Yeah. Piggybacking off of that. Like if you are also are someone that's like taking live workout classes yeah. on Instagram or yeah. like live cooking classes, like any of that, like do your part and like either Venmo the trainer or whatever it is. I've seen a lot of open Venmo accounts on Twitter and stuff like that. And I just want to like reinforce that, like everybody should really doing that because you would be paying to take a class and they're struggling during this time, and this is a two-way street. Like, especially, I think
0: creatives who, and you work very closely in this industry, and and I have, and I think we have a lot of mutual friends who, you know, are not sure when they're going to be able to, like, you know, like if that contract is coming through, or you know, when they're going to be able to the contract. Like, <laughs> right, right, like <laughs> yeah. and like. Yes. And or like book tours being put on pause, like all of these things that are really, really scary. And you know, I think like, you know, it, it's just crazy to think that like we don't know when this is gonna end. Yeah. And like I'm actually really interested to talk about like what we think society is gonna look like after this, you know. I think this is actually like as disconnected as we're all feeling in in many ways. I think it's actually been for me at least extremely eye-opening to like remember like who my people are, you know, like who totally checking in on you. Who do you feel inclined to check in on? You know, I think that like oddly, this has created like a really weird like social experiment in which like we're all having to like figure out how to like really talk to each other. You know what I mean?
1: Yes, definitely. I think so
0: many times like we're like in these situations, like it's like a party or it's like, you know, it's it's a dinner or, you know, we're at someone's birthday and it's like, you know, we're we're doing the kind of performative social thing. And sometimes that's stripped of, of like real conversation. And, you know, like, how are you, you know, when somebody says like, how are you? And like, you're just,
1: I've (laughs) stopped asking, how are you during this pandemic? Because I think it adds zero value. I usually say, how are you feeling today? Yeah. Because every day shit's different. Some days I'm great. Some days I'm absolutely miserable. And I think, I mean, obviously feeling is a stronger word than like, how are you? But I also like genuinely, like that's the most important thing to me right now. Yeah. It's not like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, you know, how was your night last doing, night? It's like, like we're all like nothing. nothing. <laughs> Bacon. Yeah. It's literally like, give me a scale of one to 10. How are you feeling today? And like, let's talk mm-hmm. it out. Mm-hmm. Has there been an impactful way that somebody has checked in on you?
0: Yeah. Well, I was thinking about this the other day. I was like talking to our friend Aminatu and, you know, she was like,
1: Big shout out to her. She's yes, like so it was my, my birthday yesterday. She's also, please go and pre-order her book.
0: Yes. And if you can do it from a local bookstore, do it. But yeah, she has a book coming out called Big Friendship. So she's like somebody who's a great person to have as a friend. But she, you know, called me and I was upset about something and, and you know, I was I was like talking to her and, and I said like, No, like I'm fine. And she was like it's okay to not be fine. You know what I mean? Like, she's like, I know you're not fine. I can hear it in your voice. You're not fine. You know what I mean? And I think that sometimes like being pressed and challenged on kind of these like colloquial answers that we're used to giving has been most impactful for me because I know how I receive, you know, short answers like that. And, you know, I was talking to another friend of mine yesterday and you know, she's a licensed therapist and so like extremely good at this. And, you know, I I gave her an answer and she was like, yeah, I just, that answer isn't giving me what I hear that you're trying to tell me. You know, I was being avoidant of expressing something because I felt like that was going to burden someone. And I think that sometimes that's often the way we approach and enter conversations with people we love because, you know, I think, you know, I read something the other day that was really important. It's like, you know, like we're always talking about like checking in on people that you love, like, Don't ever forget that you love yourself and to like check in with yourself, you know, and like, don't ever that yourself off that list. I've been thinking a lot about the way we communicate, about the words that we exchange with the people that we care about, how we're checking in with people. And I
1: mean, you're a professional communicator (laughs) with that too. Yeah. But yeah. But sometimes
0: I fall short on on being able to like do that in the most effective way. Like for, for somebody who's like, paid to communicate like me, (laughs) I have been called out on the fact that like, I'm a terrible texter. You know what I mean? Like I get told like by some of my closest friends, like you're awful at texting. It hurts my feelings when you don't respond. And I think like old me would have like had a much more visceral reaction to that, which is like, fuck you, I'm busy. Like, I need to respond to you. Like, blah, blah. But it's important for our friends to be able to tell us what they need and what like, you know, what they need from us. There's no such thing as like, you know, what's the expression? It's like, there's no such thing as like being needy. There's just telling me what you need. And like, I think that like how we respond to those expressions of wanting more or or the boundaries that we set are really, I think, important. So like, yeah, but I also just like, I'm so interested to see like how we all interact after this, you know, like before all this happened, I don't know, like, I feel like you're kind of like this too. Like I'm a homebody. Like I like to be at home. Like I like to be like in my pajamas, like,
1: I learned that about myself through this situation. Really? I always got that vibe from you. Yeah. Which is so weird because my job is so social. I think this whole situation has really forced me to reassess the way I view my social life and the way I interact with people Mm -hmm. because it became my job for so long to be out and be social in meetings Mm -hmm. at events. Um, And in kind of like the fashion circuit, I equated it too deeply with my identity. Mm. And like social to me became a job.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So Your value almost, yeah. Totally. Mm -hmm. And it became this thing where like, even when I would return back to LA and because, you know, my boyfriend lives here and I would be in New York for work and I'd go back and forth. The second I got back to LA, I literally wouldn't leave my house for days because I would be so exhausted by it. Mm -hmm. Um, And now just kind of being forced to be home, I have found like this like intense routine that I like am kind of weirdly thriving in. But it's also made me realize like, okay, what I actually am very excited to like reassess when we're able to come back out of quarantine is of like what does being social mean to me? How does it feed me as a person and like my soul and what do I gain from it? I know this sounds so deep, but like Mm -hmm. it's what the way I've just been thinking about like, you know, why do I socialize like when is it fun for me, and when is it work? And I need to find a way to disassociate from both of those things. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm. I guess I'm publicly coming out as a homebody.
0: <laughs> yes. I don't know why. I, I I guess I'm a little bit of an empath. I always got that vibe from you that you were, for some reason. But I think that, like, yeah, it's it's important to make sure that, like, I'm not a public figure by any means. But like, when I, you know, I have friends who. Will, are and it's their commodity and it's their job. And like when your personhood is your commodity, how do you draw those boundaries um, to make sure that like you are not giving so much of yourself to people who ultimately will give you nothing back,
1: you know? Totally. And I think that's like when you were talking earlier about communicating in social settings and also what you were saying earlier about how you want things to change is that like, I hope to like, I hope that is just gone once this is out. Like I refuse to adhere to small talk anymore yeah. like if I'm talking to you and we're in we're in a social setting yeah, like let's talk <laughs> I'm like but you know it's the name of the game sometimes yeah, no, and like I'll this understand. whole idea of like schmoozing and small talk like I'm abolishing it yeah it's out of my life yeah. and like
0: what I think
1: that also like maybe there'll, there'll be a shift in like
0: I'm tired I don't want to go to this thing I'm
1: not in the mood and that's okay I think we will feel some sort of freedom and authority to do that now yeah like if you think about it, FOMO has like dominated popular culture for the past, like what, five, six years. Totally. Haven't heard the phrase in a month. <laughs> Haven't thought about it. And I really am hopeful that it becomes a part of our mentality once we get out of here, yeah. that it's like, it's okay if you need to social distance Yeah, without having to legally social like, distance. Yeah, I
0: actually feel like social distance will start to become like our vernacular in a different way. Like I'm going to be social distancing this week, you know, or, you know, I'm going to take this week to like just be at home and like cook myself a meal. And like, I remember last year I was so busy. Like I was on the road constantly. I was like flying, you know, just every month I was, I was gone. And, and I, you know, when I got back, I felt this like fierce urgency to like socialize and like, you know, be around my friends and like catch up with people. And I would wake up feeling anxious. Like when's the last time I like sat and like, Made myself a meal and like watched TV or like called my mom and like caught up for a few hours or like yeah. You know? And so I'm hopeful and I I think encourage everyone to make sure that like you really like create your own boundaries.
1: Yeah, and I think we've been like talking about for years. If you think about it, we've all talked about this idea of like the spectrum where it's like. You know, we were so social crazy. social media events, like Mm -hmm. just constantly inundated with things to do, people to see. And we've always been like, people have always been like, when is this going to end? Like one day we're going to hit the other side of the spectrum. And, you know, this spectrum is at a really horrible, awful cost. But I do think we're going to come out of this maybe a little bit more balanced in the way that we are out there. If we
0: all collectively like don't come out of this better, like what the fuck? What are we doing?
1: <laughs> you know what I mean. Like I'm gonna
0: be. Yeah. Like- <laughs> At least for me, it's given me a much deeper appreciation for you know the way my mom raised me.
1: Yeah, simple. The simplicity of it all is it um, all is is really stunning. So like invigorating to me right and, now and most, interesting. Yeah,
0: hundred percent. And you know, I'm a first generation, you know, daughter of immigrants, and I remember growing up. You know, my parents didn't have money you know, like my mom wanted to save everything. Like, you know, like there would be like, you know, like she would stock up on a bunch of things or she would, you know, grow her own green onions. And like, I would find things like that embarrassing for some reason. And, you know, that expression and everybody knows this. It's like, well, we have that at home. Like we don't need to go to like McDonald's. Like we have food at home, you know? And how much shame came with like feeling like, oh, like you're not doing that because like, you don't have money. And like, that means that you're poor and or like we're poor. And and I remember feeling that, And my mother is an incredible, incredible, incredible cook. Taking for granted, like having a home-cooked meal every night that she like made with like love and like how long it would take her to like get up in the morning and like do all of the things that she needed to do to be able to like prepare this like single meal. Yeah. Um, It's such a deep appreciation for now because it is true, like now that we're being forced to like make our meals in the morning like make our own breakfasts like make our own smoothies like think about like dinner think about like the you know the things that we have access to and the fact that like I can't run to the grocery store to just get one thing. That's silly.
1: Not happening right
0: now. (laughs) It's not an option. Uh, Yeah. So so how are we, you know, like what can we substitute or whatever I think is really bringing us back down to like, you know, how things frankly should
1: be. Going back to the extreme basics of it all for me, like it's a, I have like really visceral memories of learning to do those things as a child. Mm -hmm. And I think that's forced my mind to really just, again, like reassess so many things in life. And it's been so nice for me because, you know,
0: again, I'm a pretty good cook and like I, I can cook. And one thing I've realized is I've been avoidant of learning how to cook Bengali cuisine. Why? Because I think that because my mom is so good, like my mother is truly known for how good of a cook she is. Like she's like, she makes the best biryani, like, you know, outside of taka, like, you know, and, and I'm obviously biased because I'm her daughter, but like, she's just so talented. And I think like, there's like a small part of me that's like scared of like not being able to like, carry her legacy in, in some ways and feeling like if I can't do that, that I've lost, you know, once, you know, God forbid she's gone, like, you know, like uh, that, that'll be the one thing that makes me feel connected to her. And so I've been on FaceTime with her a lot. And like, I've been cooking with her over FaceTime and like, you know, I finally got her to like, agree to like write down all her recipes. So she's been doing that at home. And then like, you know, yesterday I made like a, like a shrimp curry. Today I'm making like dal and I'm like trying things like little by little. Um, and I know it's making her really happy.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah.
0: And like, I can do it. You know what I mean? Like I yeah, totally. literally cooked it exactly like my mom. And I was like, well, I did this. Like, this is crazy. Yeah, you did it. And I never thought I was going to do this. Also isolating in, in ways. Like I do wish I was with my mom. You know, I, I do wish that, um, you know, I could take care of her and be, like, with her cooking. But I think, again, like, not just immigrants, but immigrant children, but but a lot of people, you're so used to checking in with your parents and just being like, hi, hello, how's everything going? Good, I'm alive. Like, you know, again,
1: a scripted conversation. Yeah. And,
0: and I think that it's easy to do that with your parents because I think that it's easy just to to be like, hi, I love you. Like, okay. Like maybe you track their location and find my friends and like can see where they are occasionally. But like this has challenged me to have longer and valuable conversations with my parents. Um, especially because like so much is at stake, you know what I mean? Like people are like dying you know, it's like, it's like, it's like, you know, my favorite Kardashian quote, which is Like, Kim, hey, there are people that are dying. There's literally people dying. And we're not just playing like, you know, hide and seek. Like we have to stay in for our lives. And it feels like anything can happen at any moment. And, and it makes it that much more intense, you know?
1: Definitely. Besides cooking, what have you been doing from home?
0: I've been cooking. I've been reading a lot. I'm finally reading this book.
1: My year of rest and
0: relaxation. Have you?
1: Oh, I've heard it's great. I haven't picked it up yet, but I will add it to my list. Yes. It's a little depressing because she
0: talks about her depression, but you know, I've been reading, I've been trying to keep up with like politics a lot, um, more than I probably have been lately, just because I think that aside from like how we like readapt to society, I'm extremely interested in, uh, seeing how we change as an electorate after all this is over. And, you know, I have worked on, on two presidentials. And I think this is obviously like 2016 felt unprecedented for obvious reasons. Um, you know, with Donald Trump running for president and, and us being like a reality show star. Like, what the fuck? And then Hillary Clinton losing. Like, that felt like, what? Like, we, we felt like we were in the twilight zone. Felt like the obvious choice. Well, you're like, I mean, what? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I don't have to tell you that twice, but, you know, it. now I think it's going to be so interesting to see, because we don't know, like, this is what's going to last through the summer. And even once this is, like, over in our heads, like, we still have to social distance. We still are going to change the way, like, you know, we're kind of re-entering society and interacting with each other. You know, the convention's been moved. We already are seeing issues with you know, voting that I think yeah. is going to be made much more flagrant. You know, with with this situation, the president the other day said one of the most insane things, which is like vote by mail is is something that he thinks is a fraudulent. You know, and yet he votes by mail, except for he fucking <laughs> votes by mail. and then also you know said that early voting is a problem. Problem. And like, guess who historically votes by mail and, you know, early votes, black and brown people. And so it's going to be really interesting to see. And, and I think that, you know, Bernie Sanders dropping out and us having to rally around, you know, the the nominee um, that is going to be Joe Biden is going to, it's just, it's going to be crazy to watch. Like, it's like, where, which way do you look, you know what I mean? Like, which way are we looking when we are out of this? And I think that like, The most obvious thing is to be able to, like, you know, the reason why the situation is as bad as it is and, like, lest we forget is because we have a government that is unwilling to, like, recognize science, trust the people who have recommended much more stringent and um, intense measures that we have been slow to take. Um, The fact that, like, we are not... Um, you know, thinking about the resources that we need, you know, from a financial perspective, the fact that the the president has made massive cuts to the CDC and things that were all done before this, by the way. And
1: yeah, like... Don't forget in November is all I'll say. Um, and yeah, I was gonna say if you're questioning who to vote, yeah, rewind, yeah, and re-listen. Literally. Um, <laughs> so
0: yeah, like I've I've been really paying attention to like you know watching our government officials attempt to like walk and chew chew gum at the same time. You know when it's like responding to coronavirus and then like also like like trying to kind of make this a political situation, which has been you know fascinating and I think extremely infuriating at the same time, but definitely. Definitely. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to to see. I also like try and I was saying this earlier like I've been trying to like make sure I'm not like weighing myself down every day like by like yeah like, being like oh it's just another day. It's like I wake up in the morning like I like either like put on a little makeup or like you know do a face mask or like put on an outfit and by the way, like, you should do whatever it is that, like, makes you feel comfortable. Like, no person should pressure you to, like, wake up in the morning and dress up. Like, if you want to be in pajamas, like, that is your God-given right. Like, that, you know. But for me, um, you know, I have to, like, I think for myself, like wake up in the morning, like have a little bit of a routine that feels like I'm going to go out into the world and then also just be like, okay, like today I'm going to like call live, and then I'm going to like, you know, I'm going to make dinner and like, here's the things that I want to make for dinner. And like, I'm going to read a book and, or I'm going to, you know, watch two episodes of this show
1: or I'm, I'm in full yeah. copy paste cookbook, make meetings for yourself, <laughs> like 10 year old. Yeah do your homework, do your reading in your calendar phase of my life right now. How much forced stability can you put on yourself? <laughs> do you find spending a lot of time with your partner has like made you guys have
0: any sort of like interesting conversations? Like- about, I don't know, anything like in your relationship in general or or how's that been for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's like a burning question for a lot of people right now. I think that there's like going into this quarantine already, it was terrifying because like the day after Los Angeles went into lockdown, all these articles started coming out from China being like China's divorce rate spikes after like coronavirus quarantine. And I'm like looking over at Alex and I'm like, all right, like let's, let's just jump in. But I think, you know, my advice would be to people that are like in the similar situation. It's like, you're you know, this isn't normal. Mm -hmm. Like we're experiencing our partners in every single form of life. We're in work mode, we're in sleep mode, we're in romantic mode, cooking mode, like all the modes we're experiencing in a really dramatic overnight period of time. I'm really lucky to have like known Alex for a really long time. So these things are not like, I'm not like Suddenly meeting a new person and best friends for a really long time before we dated. So there hasn't been much of that, but it's been really nice now. I think three weeks in where we're at a point where like, we know at five o'clock, like we're going to go put food in the oven to prep for dinner. And then maybe we'll work out together Mm -hmm. during the work hours. Like he's on one side of the house. I'm on the other side of the house and we try not to communicate So it's like, you know, try to keep up that same routine. Like that's what's been really, really helpful. And also like shout out to so many amazing people who are going on Instagram and like talking openly about this. It shouldn't be taboo that like, this is not normal and this feels really weird. And any advice is totally great. We love it. Yeah, share it. I'd love to talk a little bit about work to Mm -hmm. the extent that you feel comfortable with. I know that. So Zara's the absolute best. She hit me up last week and was like, For those of you who don't know, she was the head of communications at the wing and the wing announced last week that they laid off or furloughed the majority of their team. And Zara was going to come on the show before that. And you sent me the nicest text in the world when you were probably going through something really challenging. And you were like, I'd still love to come on the show. I want to talk about this and be open because there are quite literally millions of people in your shoes. And um, I'd love to provide advice. And I just want to say thank Ah, you to you for that, because I don't know a lot of people that would do that. Yeah. No, I so I appreciate I think you a lot.
0: Like, A, there's absolutely no shame. Like, I think that there's like this like weird, I think kind of like veil of shame that I don't know who or or what has kind of prescribed to this like like to being like laid off and being laid off is like not a reflection of of the work that you do or the value that you add. Like it's simply a reflection of capitalism (laughs) Um, and, and like, you know, the economy. And, you know, I, I think that like, especially in our generation, I think sometimes we suffer from taking our work so personally. And I've been, you know, a victim of that before. And I think that like, I've been, and and I want to be really frank, like I've been working through this, like I'm going through feelings. And, and I think that what I've, you know, been trying to kind of uh, reconcile and also remind myself is that like, I am again, so lucky. Like I am, I am extremely employable. I have my finances in order to like take care of myself for as long as I, you know, need to, at least for the foreseeable future. I also have other, you know, opportunities and things that, um, you know, I am lucky to have been put in front of me. I think that again, like on top of the situation, like it's forced me to like be really grateful for what I have. But like for the folks who like are living paycheck to paycheck and aren't sure of like what, you know, they're going to do, you know, like 10 million people filed for unemployment um, in the last two weeks. That is not a joke. And so, A, like remind yourself, like, you're not alone.
1: Like, you're not alone. That idea of like solidarity yeah, and Being in the same boat yeah. has brought me so much yeah. consolation yeah. and like relief in the past two weeks. Totally. And I think, and in consoling friends that have like, you know, either called me or texted me about lost opportunities and lost jobs. Yeah. Like that's kind of always been my response yeah. is like, it's not something you did. And I really, really love what you just said about not taking work so personally, yeah. because it's not something you did. It's a situation that we are globally in together yeah. in the same boat. And And
0: I, I think that, you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday who said to me, like, I think so much of what, or at least people like me, and I think this this is probably for a lot of people, is it's like, we show up to work probably the same way we show up for the people we love, right? Like, it's like loyalty, like, um, you know, kind of excitement, um, you know, the things that like, you kind of would expect in a, um, you know, reciprocal relationship. And like, don't forget, it's job It's just a job. And I think that it sucks to watch, you know, businesses that we love close. It sucks to watch people that we know are incredible at their craft and their talent struggling. It sucks to watch, you know, people who are much less fortunate than us and who prior to this weren't sure how they were going to handle, you know, the majority of Americans, the question was like, if you got a six, if you got a bill, an unexpected $600 bill, Like, do you know how you would pay for that? This could be anything from like a refrigerator breaking to, you know, your car breaking down or something of that nature. And the majority of Americans say no. And I think that like I try to remind myself that like we're not alone. Um, There's always places that we can channel our energy into being more helpful and using our privilege and power to Um, support those folks and and also like if you're in a situation like me where I know that there's a lot of people who are working at you know businesses that are having to lay folks off like it's gonna be okay and I know that sounds like so like stupid and simple and like might not give you any consolation but it truly will be and I think that like so long as you like wake up in the morning with the affirmation and say out loud like it's gonna be fine I'm gonna figure this out and if not like Hopefully you have a community um, that is going to rally around you and make sure that you're good. And, you know, if you're not in that situation, try to be that for somebody else. But yeah, like this is a crazy time. Like, you know, like you and I have lived through three recessions already. Like that's nuts to think about, you know, and I think that it's a lot to process. But, you know, I think that again, like there's no shame that, We are going to be in a very trying time after this is over. The job market is going to be insane. There is going to be a lot to process, but I think like taking one day at a time and, you know, leaning on the people that you love in your community is the best advice that I can give you. It's always been, you know, kind of like a weird thing for me because, you know, I've started my job. Uh, or my career in campaigns and like campaigns, it's, like you get laid off the day after like the election, right? Like it's like this like whole thing and like you get to file for unemployment and it's like fun because you get to like do this, like from the <laughs> of December, you're like on vacation. And then, you know, you hit the like job circuit again in like the new year. And this is the first time where I'm just, you know, like, what's going to happen, you know? Right. God knows. And so I'm just trying to really ground myself and, you know, um like, not being, not being afraid to like say when I'm having a bad day or worried, not being too cynical. It really matters. <laughs> um, and I think that like, yeah, I think like just making sure you're asking for help and leaning on the folks around you, I think is the best advice I would give you.
1: Is there anything in this time that has, has been most useful for you in thinking about maybe a new job or putting yourself out there? Yeah. It may be like a resource or a tip for people that don't really know where to turn right now.
0: Or sure like well it depends like if you're thinking about like kind of like more economic or financial support or whatever that might be in an unemployment situation just like make sure you do the thing like immediately do it like file for it like make sure you understand it like sit down and like do it like homework like I think with the stimulus package that was passed they will give you up to 70% I believe of your previous pay so if you were in a um, you know job and you let like, go oh, like under that they've reassessed what the kind of, you know, unemployment situation in terms of checks um, and how that's going to work. Two is like, um, I I would say if you were like the $1,200 or whatever that the government, you know, is is giving you, which is by the way, not even remotely enough, especially if you have, you know, multiple people in your home, um, file for that, get your check and make sure you do that. But other than that, I think like, if you're trying to like think about how to like motivate yourself or stimulate yourself or think about, um, how you want to use this time to professionally develop. I think for me, I've always relied heavily on, um, you know, mentorship and I don't even actually call it mentorship. Like, you know, I think my friend Cleo talks about this. She's like, actually like, you know, like your mentor isn't somebody who's like older than you by any means, or like somebody who like, you know, is, is like way more experienced than you. Like actually I think we find the best mentors in our peers and like the people around us. Totally. And like, I think because we're all going through the same thing, you know? And um, I think like, like you were saying, like it's, it's helpful to talk to people um, who are in similar situations um, and feeling like there's this level of you know camaraderie and this I think has been really helpful for me I think like spending time you know I've been helping a lot of friends like with their own resumes and like just like resetting on that like and one thing I notice about like all of my friends is that like they always like undersell themselves and like every time I love to edit everyone by the way like I'm like it's like my kink Um, but uh, like I always look at this and I'm like, what I'm like, and it's people like, I know. And I'm like, no, like what? Like what, this is not what you did. And like this, or that yeah, this is a part of what you did. This is not even remotely or whatever. And I think like, actually it does help you sit and think about how, powerful you are and how valuable you are and how talented you are, you know, uh, like reading and and I think like watching things, making sure that you're actually like intellectually stimulating yourself during this time is really important.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Love that. and, And also like
0: taking this time to like pause and be like, did I love what I was doing? Like, do I love what I'm doing? Is my job something that gives me joy? Is the career path that I've chosen something that gives me joy? And I think that like, that's okay to like, ask yourself like a really tough question of like, wait, maybe I hate like, you know, working at X or I hate doing marketing or, you know, I actually, you know, have always thought about like wanting to like write more or like, you know, and, and actually like, I think we oftentimes sweep those questions under the rug because, you know, we just like don't have time to think about it. Um, It's something that feels frivolous. Um, But like right now, I think it's, it's important to ask yourself those questions and, um, yeah. And I, and I think that there's so many resources out there and so many experts who talk about this and like, yeah, like spend time like poking around and yeah, that's what I would say.
1: What's the first thing that you're doing once this is over? I think like the first thing I want to do is just like have a bunch of people over
0: like in my backyard and like eat together and I said I want to have like a quarantine like potluck. If you like bring your favorite quarantine meal and we'll all eat. Oh, I love
1: that. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Yeah. Well, show off what you learned during this time. Exactly. So we'll see. Who knows? I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. I so appreciate I'm so you. Proud of you. And I think thank you.
0: I'm so happy you're sharing your voice with so many people during this time. And I find the way you use your platform really remarkable. And I love you and i'm proud to play my friend
1: thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of friend of a friend before you go make sure to rate review and subscribe to the podcast on apple podcasts spotify and at dearmedia.com and for more behind the scenes of the show visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv perez on instagram don't forget the tubies see you next week